You're listening to episode 226 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. That's it. We did it, boys. We hit the money. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So for uh, anyone who tuned in last week, as you all know, uh, I lost it all in the stock market. But what do you do when the stock market dips? You buy it. You buy the dip, and lo and behold, <laughs> it turned around. The fans now own DC, and I own the biggest chunk. As you can see behind me, uh, for those YouTube listeners and for those who are on the audio, you can really hear the echo in here. <laughs> so Marco got I'm himself a McMansion. Oh, God. Hey, man, it pays to be in the D DC Comics biz, apparently. Marco, he, he got it at the right time. A, a Mick Mansion or a Dick Mansion? Oh my God! I mean, it's you. It's probably a we Dick were, Mansion. <laughs> we were so close. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect bit doesn't exist. <laughs> but you know, so John, who, I, I feel like life is all about the pursuit of it, and that's what we're here to do. I mean, Phil's not here. We're, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't happen. It, anyway. it is the perfect bit. <laughs> so, who did you get, Marco? Who did I get? Well, here's the thing, right? So now we're in the process of typical DC restructuring. So uh, I, I actually wanted to let you guys know that you've all been hired. Um, oh, great. Yeah. Finally. So God, finally. Pete, uh, you know, let me know what, what character you want to write. Um, Kale, let me know what character you want to write. Booster Gold. Sean, uh, we got Black Lightning, you know, by the back for you. So like, <laughs> we're good. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Really? You got to give him more credit than that, Marco. He'd probably be good on Green Lantern. You can't oh, even at least give him out. static. You give him Black Lightning. He, okay. I mean, a John Stewart. No shade at Black Lightning. Like, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> First of all, Black Lightning is cool as shit. And if you haven't read Batman and the Outsiders, it's only because you're bad. Uh, and you would know that <laughs> Brian Edward Hill is absolutely annihilating that book. That's number one. That's why I'm so, giving it to you, man. No. <laughs> You're not. Because I don't want it. Because I want don't that. Follow in those, oh, don't want to follow in those Batman? footsteps. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. The new Batman. You're right. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, you, you called it, man. I'm just giving you what you want. He wants I Batman want as he is now. Marco, <laughs> I want Bruce as he Wayne. is right now. Oh, Bruce Wayne. Oh, all right. We're gonna have to look. You know, see if we can make some some changes. See if we can you know find the right artists and stuff. Some yeah. retcons. Some retcons. <laughs> <laughs> but with that said, Kale, you said you wanted who was it? Booster fucking gold. Booster gold. Okay, let's look here. Let's look here. Oh yeah. Okay, booster gold. Yeah. Ooh, you know what? Sales aren't good. Ah, you know what? Yeah, you're off the title. Sorry. Yeah, hey, that was quick. Easy come, easy go. That was really quick. What a moment! We didn't even get to the first issue. DC's already axed the book. They really streamlined the process. <laughs> the brightest books burn the shortest. <laughs> Marco would be the best worst owner of DC Comics. He get half a script and like, eh, this isn't gonna sell. He's like, this is here. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Try again. Sorry. No Batman. No sell. Marco, can I write Swamp Thing? Uh, you know what? I'd be interested. Okay, great. I'm in. Hmm. You know what? Three Swamp Thing books. I get three issues or three runs? No, there are three ongoing three separate Swamp Thing titles. books. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Three separate titles. And great, you guys no are pressure. All the writers. What? Okay. 
what in your head are those books? Okay, so it's going to be Swamp Thing following Alec Holland. Of course. Swamp Thing following Alex Olsen, the original Swamp Thing. Oh, Golden so Age. So like the old, the, the, the one from House of Mystery or House of Secrets. And then it's going to be Tefe following his daughter. Can I do the Golden Age one with Plaid Klaus? Can we make that happen? Sure. Cool. I'm in. Mm. Thus, we usher in, <laughs> what is it? DC Infinite? Infinite Whatever you want it to be. You're the boss now. <laughs> How do you they buy DC and you don't even know what you think, it's called? They don't pay me they, to know these things. You think the people who own DC know what it's called? <laughs> it was called, was it 4G? Five. <laughs> no, <it was> 5G. <laughs> Fucking 3G. 4G LTD? What? Listen, DC's had a weird week. There have been some rumors and innuendo about what's going on at DC Comics. We're gonna talk about that. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, we're gonna talk about a lot of things. There was a Comics Pro uh, summit that took place, and we're gonna Oof. we're gonna dive into some of those those major announcements, and um, and it's gonna be a good show. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We've got a lot of things to talk about. I want to talk to you guys about where you can listen to this podcast and all the wonderful things we have going on right now. So, of course, we are the Comics Pals. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to leave us a review or a rating, please do so. Wherever it is that you listen to this podcast, you can leave us a review and or a rating. You can get us on social media at the Comics Pals. Write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. Hit the subscribe button, like this video, share it with your friends. You can drop us a comment. Let your people know that we're out here and you enjoy what we do. Hit the notification bell so you're made aware of when we drop new content. Join our Discord server, a link to which is in the description below. Come hang out with us. We're always having really fun conversations over there, including conversations that are always blacked out about <laughs> WandaVision. Speaking of which, you can tune into our podcast about WandaVision called We Watch WandaVision, which is something we drop every single saturday wandavision drops friday saturday you can listen to us talk about it so if you are caught up you can come listen to us chat this week's episode another banger and uh, you're gonna want to hear our conversation about it for sure not sure we'll all agree but you're gonna want to hear it anyways um and last but not least of course our reviews go check out our review specials that we've been doing uh, last week we did Radiant Black and uh, what's that other book? Eternals. Eternals. Thank you. Eternals number two. So if you're into those books, you can go listen to our reviews for that. Clearly a very memorable issue. Uh, well, <laughs> hey, Marco loved it. I remembered it's, it. It's the issue that turned Marco on to the series, right? Yep. Um, well, that's not fair. Every issue turns Marco on. <laughs> oh, uh, and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't mention our book clubs. How could I forget uh, our book clubs? We've got the uh, Civil War book club that came out last month and dropping tomorrow, actually, yep. is the Vision book club. So if you're still hyped about WandaVision, which you should be, check out our Vision book club. You can see some of the inspiration that went into the show coming from this book. Tom King, Gabriel Hernandez, Walter, Jordi Belair, Clayton Cowles, just a crazy creative team, tremendous book. Listen to us rap about it on our book club. 
tomorrow. And if you're still interested, submissions are still open for uh, Winter Falcon fanfic that we will be willing to uh, yes, please. read. Yes, please. Send us all of that good, good. We've already seen uh, Catherine uh, getting her uh, Google Drive, uh, Google Docs uh, cranking. Can't wait. Can't wait really? for her to write the yeah. cranking. <laughs> yeah, she already started to title the beginning. She's writing a, a dramatic scene for us. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. How do I not know that? You stay away from the Weeb channel. <laughs> like a normal person. <laughs> so you guys know how, like, in The Lion King, uh, Mufasa tells Simba, you know, like, that area over there, the like, that's lands. where you never go, the Badlands. <laughs> that's how I think about the Weeb channel. <laughs> the light never touches the ground there. Don't go there, Simba. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch away. of jackals there. <laughs> You're not kidding. Uh so we 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 started the show with a little bit about DC Comics and the idea of fans being able to buy DC. So uh I wanted to start the show with a conversation about this. Now, one of my favorite websites on the internet is bleedingcool.com. Why? Because they actually break a lot of stuff. They break a lot of news. But every now and then you get a tremendously baity article from them that may or may not be true. And so today we are going to dive into this article and we are going to talk about what had Twitter turn upside down. Comics Twitter was losing their minds over this this week. And so we're going to rap about it now. So Rich Johnson of Bleeding Cool alleges that DC Comics is looking to, well, I should say Warner Brothers, is looking to sell the comics portion of their business to the highest bidder. Mm. Uh, allegedly, according to Bleeding Cool, Marvel tried and was they, they, they balked at the price IDW and Dynamite also tried, but it was just a price that was too high. Um, Penguin, Random House, was willing to pay, but that's still up in the air. We actually talked about that uh, last yeah. year. That would actually be a good match. I think you said that last year, too. Listen, um, when I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> well, all right. Broken clock, but, but allegedly, they're listening to offers, serious offers, from fans who have massive wallets, so not Marco. Look at his house. Look at it. <laughs> He's got yeah. a dick mansion. He can afford it. <laughs> it's not. Oh, 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 oh no. Oh no. Smokes and mirrors, man. Uh oh. Smoke and mirrors. So, according to Rich, who again got blasted, remember, this is the same guy who said that DC was changing the name of Black Adam to Shazadam, got called out on Twitter. The creator of the book himself, Brian Michael Bendis, took a shot at Rich Johnston. And then my man came through with the receipts. He proved it. <laughs> he had the image from the book where they literally call him Shazadam. So I say that to say the next day, February 16th, Rich wrote another article in which he claimed that Rob Liefeld 
knows about this, that Jimmy Jimmy Palmiotti knows about it, and Dinesh Shamdashi from Bad Idea, Shamdasani, I'm sorry, from Bad Idea, all know about this. And he has quotes. He has quotes to back idea. it up. Rob Liefeld said, more real than you can imagine. Tires are being kicked. Palmiotti said, I have been hearing this for a few months already with names attached I cannot repeat. He's, he also said, I will back up Rich on this. I'm hearing a lot of late. Uh, Dinesh said, uh, this is something very different. This is DC trying to get rich fans to bankroll the losses of publishing while Warners keeps everything else. So what does it cost to own DC, you ask? $300 million. That's it? At it's least. Way cheaper than I thought it would be. Yeah. Considering the IP, considering like- You would know the, the IP though. You would, yeah, you would only oh, own the ability right. to publish, to publish. Oh, the comics. You right. license them basically. Interesting. Oh, huh. $300 million for a license. I mean, like, not even though, right? Like, is the thing is, like, you're not technically, like, you would own the license. Right, right, right. It's it's weird. It's it's like kind of like when, um, like, Sony used to own Sony Pictures, and then, like, now they're separate companies that have the same name, but they operate in different, you know, uh, spaces. It's like the like the Dark Horse stuff with uh, when they used to do Alien, when they used to do Star Wars and stuff. You, you just you kind of just have the, those those things attached that you're allowed to publish stories around them, but you know it's still retained under Lucasfilm. It's not quite like that though, because it wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be that Warner still retained it. It would be that you own the rights, but only the book rights is the thing. <laughs> and so it would, you know, it's it's kind of like. If oh, like when Marvel licensed out all of their properties to film companies in like the nineties, if they had sold them forever and then they could never get them back, you know, right, right. like, so it would be like a permanent severing of the IP on film and the IP in the books, which like raises a lot of questions. Like what happens if, uh, I don't know, right. Penguin buys DC comics and then they publish a new, Batman book starring a new character that has like Miles Morales level success. Does Warner own the rights to that character or do they just own the rights to the things that they owned at the time of the split? And like, because it's a Batman character, do they own the rights to that? You know, it it gets really confusing and messy very quickly. I think it's really interesting because uh, Rich goes on to talk about how well, DC's books have been selling of late and how, um, you know, things are looking up, but not necessarily up enough for Warner because of things that yeah. we've talked about many times, uh, the move to Burbank and just that space, that, that, that building and how expensive it is and uh, DC Comics needing to basically justify their existence in that space, even though no one is occupying that building right now. In the sense of DC Comics employees are working from home. Yeah. Right. So um, that's actually really frustrating because it, at least as according to Rich, DC has been doing well and their changes have been effective. Just not necessarily to the point that Warner will see them as worth retaining. I, I, I wonder what changes... Because future state's still too early to really like say, you know, we're only a couple weeks into it, and then we still don't know about uh, the Infinite Frontier. 
So what is just the normal publishing, I guess, is what he's probably talking about then? Well, so keep in mind that comics operate months in advance, right? So right. the sales for Infinite Frontier, for example, are are, are already in. Yeah. You know, final Pre-order order cutoff stuff. would have been, yeah. you know, months mm-hmm. ago. Um, so Future State, as an event, even though we're living in it now, it might as well be over as far right. as DC's concerned. Sales, yeah, yeah, they're already sure. thinking about the next thing. Um, yeah. It's so interesting because... You know, like like you said, right? Like Rich Johnston reporting on this means that I'm sure these conversations are taking place. Whether they'll actually lead to anything is a different story. Um, but that's not what he reported on. He didn't say this is happening. He said he's heard that this is happening and that people are aware of it. That's how business works. Um, so you know, that's a, kind of a, an aside. But when you really like look at this, I feel like if they were to actually do this, if this is a serious thing they're considering. It feels incredibly short-sighted. Yeah. And I wonder if there's not an anecdotal example from uh, another side of their business that might be worth bringing up right now, which is that last year, there was a really huge rumor that Warner Brothers was looking off, looking to sell off um, the Warner Brothers Games Division, which is their in-house uh, video game arm. Um, and they ended, up reali- they ended up coming to the conclusion that the potential future revenue loss was not worth the exchange and you know not having to manage the business anymore and all those things i wonder if this isn't a similar thing where the powers that be right now are evaluating things like do we need to be making video games do we need to be making comic books like is this relevant to our business and upon evaluation the answer is yes right because maybe you need to restructure it maybe you need to run it a different way so it's easier to manage but that there is so much potential revenue from that stream and like the other ways that you can extrapolate from comics to your other properties that like they might come to the conclusion that it's just not worth it, you know, because what is $300 million to them right now? It's a drop in the bucket, you know, is it Warner's been having some problems. And I mean, that's true, but like, it's so tough because when you're a company of that size, like having a few bad years, like can be like a long-term investment. Right. And it's like, they can get injections of capital from like venture capitalists and all these other revenue opportunities that like is selling DC comics for $300 million going to solve those problems. Or is it something that they do right now because they don't feel like spending the money and running the company. And then five years from now they're like, fuck. Yeah. Hmm. Like it could just be like a quick cash injection on their end. And then how does this play out? How does this $300 well invested to your point, Pete bear fruits five years from now? Yeah. Listen, if it's three hundred dollars, I'll buy it right now. <laughs> yep. Did I say three hundred? You did. You did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm sure these conversations are taking place. I think my point is that they could just be that. Sure. That happens all the time. My question is, how long does it take DC Comics to generate three hundred million dollars? Great question. <laughs> I don't know if we can look up what they their publicly traded company, right? Uh, yeah, I would imagine so, but um, oh, I don't Marco's know if that's gonna be complicated. Yeah, because <laughs> knows he knows how to look that stuff up. My thing is this, right? They will always make money off of DC characters, mm-hmm. and even if they're not necessarily hand to hand making money off of comics, any any cool Batman story is fodder for a film down the road or a game. Mm-hmm. Or a cartoon exactly. or a toy. 
So it doesn't matter if Warner makes that. It just matters that it happens. They won't be able to necessarily mm. coordinate that. So they can't necessarily say, okay, well, we're trying to do a movie with whoever, uh, Two-Face. So let's make Two-Face the star of like a bunch of comics and stuff like right. that. They won't have control over that. But I don't know how important that is if you don't care about making money in comics anyway. Yeah. I don't know because I think I think the IP factory of comics is where the value really is. Is that like – I think it's kind of similar to – and this is another far-flung example. But like uh, you look at like Alphabet, right? Like YouTube has operated at a loss every year since Google has owned it pretty much. Uh, but – the value in owning the de facto video platform on the web and all of the data that they can mine from that has made Google better and made their algorithm stronger and like all these things that like apply to other areas of their business. And it's the same reason that they give you Google Docs for free, right? It's like, oh, we can scrape a bunch of information from that and it ingrains you in our ecosystem even more. And like, I think it's a similar thing where like you don't own a comic company to make money on comics, right? Like, if you make a modest profit there and then you farm out the IP to make your WandaVisions or your, you know, Gotham Knights or what the fuck ever, like, that's where the real money is, you know? And it, you have to think about it in that way. But if you have a company that, to Sean's point, is in a, a time of financial turmoil and they're trying to look where they can trim fat, maybe that's why they're looking at it that way. Is that like, oh, we, this is operating at a loss or this doesn't clear enough and how much work we put into running it for how little money it makes is not worth it. But that is like some short-sighted suit shit and not somebody who really sees the angles. Short-sighted um, shoot, suit shit. I love it. I didn't I even stumble on it. <laughs> uh, well, because it, it reminds me of the conversation we had, you know, how many episodes ago about um, how Sony talked down Marvel to only buy the Spider-Man rights because they're like, who the fuck wants the Avengers? It's like, mm -hmm. you got to think about the angles, man, <laughs> right? Like, it's worth it for you to own the IP for the Avengers on the off chance you want to do something with it or so that your competitor can't do something with it. And guess what? That's what they fucking failed to do, right? And, like, you need to have somebody with with vision um, to see that there there's more to owning IP and IP management, then is it making money for me today? You know? And with everything that's been going on with DC and the way that they've been kind of doing things haphazardly over at Warner, like, it feels like that vision is not there or that, like, there's so much shuffling around that, like, there isn't somebody there to be the one to maybe speak up and have that, that moment, which is why I guess they're doing this evaluation. So um, I just pulled up some quick information from there so they are publicly traded company so you can you're allowed to see their sec filings and their income statements um for the past uh for what we have annualized on this website that i'm using um from 2015 to 2017 they've seen increases 2015 starting at 3.8 billion 3.9 and then 5.2 billion um and that's all net income so oh gro gross revenue comes in at around like 28 or for 2017, 31.3 billion. And then, you know, considering all of the cost of goods, gross profit, right. et cetera, it all comes down to about 3.2 billion. So let's say they sold DC, the, those rights um, at that 300 million. That's about 6% of their total, what would be total revenue. 
not necessarily, uh, or net income, but not necessarily because, you know, taxes and all that stuff. So round it off. It's about 6% of their total um, sales for Warner Media as a company. DC. Okay. Okay. I thought you were saying that DC hauls in that much money. No, no, no. Warner in, in total. So of, of that entire, uh, of their entire like pie for like money, money, that selling off would only be six percent of everything they would have made, let's say in twenty seventeen. Right, but but the the question was, how much money? How long does it take DC to pull in three hundred million dollars? Yeah, and that uh, that's harder. I'd have to like we'd have to do some serious math there, but yeah, but just for context. But yeah, but I mean, I think that's significant. Um, but but I think I think it's it, it becomes this interesting question, right? Of like when you sell stuff like that, it's usually because you don't want to be in the business anymore. You don't want to like extend the effort to keep operating it, right? Because like you can look at like the the sale of like Star Wars, right? Like George George Lucas would have absolutely made more money if he held on to Star Wars and let other people manage it and all, but he didn't want to do that. He needed the money and he wanted to get out, you know. So like you make the sale and you're and that's it, right? I just that seems like – if they're seriously considering this, that feels like such a short-sighted move. Well, uh, the future's not set in stone, and uh, this could materialize or it could not. And it's interesting to think about and speculate about. We've known for a while that Warner is not exactly pleased with DC Comics, and yeah. so much of the – restructuring and layoffs and you know we've talked a lot about creator contracts not being what they were things like that all of that is in an effort to make dc as profitable as possible and what what works in comics and makes sense in comics isn't necessarily what works and makes sense in the corporate world that warner exists in Mm. and so that's where the conflict comes in and I think that this is due to come to a head at some point, um, but I hope I just personally hope it's in the best interest of the industry. And I feel like DC for the last year, we've been talking about, are they making decisions that are best for the industry? And this is yet another time we have to ask that question. And I think here in 2021, we will get an answer as far as this specific subject is concerned uh, as we roll on. And, and to that, right? Like, my last point um but with all those moves that they have been making first leaving diamond then deciding that you know as a as a company their focus is going to be only digital not prioritize printing sort of moving forward are those to what extent are those uh like the stepping stones toward towards this like in preparation so i am going to Put a pin in that because this is not the last time we're going to talk about DC. Oh. It's not the last time we're going to talk about DC in a similar context. So we will return to the conversation on DC. If you guys um, are enjoying it, stay tuned. Let's shift gears into the pals polls. Uh, from Marco, we've got Crimson Flower number two. Crimson Flower is by Matt Kent and. Uh, Matt Lesniewicz, Lesnik, uh, I can't pronounce it. It's like Lesnikowicz. Lesniewski. It's, it's Lesniewski, I think. Lesniewski. Okay, but I've been following his art 
for years. And mm. um, I, I've mentioned in the past, you know, I, I really loved his, his Kickstarter, The Freak. And his art style is so dynamic as like an alternate, like comics with an X kind of style mm-hmm. that I absolutely adore everything he puts out. So when I heard that he had won a book by under, um, under Dark Horse, I'm like, awesome. He's stepping up. And it was with Matt Kent, who uh, I love as a writer. This was a no-brainer for me. Issue one, um, you can actually check our Twitter. I did like a small panel analysis on uh, one of the things from issue one because I just felt like the the dynamic range that he has for like showing energy in his mm-hmm. in his work is really really strong. Um, and yeah, I, I recommend this book. It's uh, action packed, definitely pretty violent, and if you enjoy more abstract art i think it also would uh would appeal to you nice that actually reminds me uh last week you pulled hollow heart right yes i did yeah so how was it you know what uh it it was interesting the art i maybe had some some issues with but by the end it really genuinely like left me wanting more. Like I, I, I really thought that I had like five more pages left and I got to the end. I'm like, Whoa, what, what just happened? Like I, I, <laughs> the story was really, really just excellently paced that mm. I didn't feel, I didn't feel like we were approaching an end until like, boom, all of a sudden he pulled, he pulled the rug out from under me. It was, it was generally really good and an interesting, interesting concept. Nice. I I wanted to uh, I wanted to pick it up, but of course, uh, Midtown Comics was sold out. Damn, uh, son. I, I I didn't make it until Thursday, so I guess you snooze, you lose. Yeah, um, get a different shop, man. They don't have anything you want. Yo, go to my <laughs> shop, dude. He'll hold it for you. He'll pull, get you a pull box and everything. I could do that at Midtown. I just happen to be extremely lazy. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> I feel oh, like that's comics, the ultimate apparently. lazy move, though. If you have the pull box set up, because then it's like show up whenever the fuck I want. <laughs> but the see, but the thing is that I'm too lazy to set up the to pull do box. the F- yeah. Fair yeah. enough. So it's just like a whole thing, right? Um, <laughs> I miss that shit. <laughs> oh, you don't have one? No. Your- yeah. I uh, I never set one up when I when I moved to the city. Like I I had one in uh, at my my shop in college. So I was like buddies with the guy who ran the stores. He's like, why don't you just set this up? Like you know what books you want, and he, we just did it that day. And then it was like super. Like whenever I wasn't interested in a new book, I would just text him and be like, put this on the list, and that was it. You know, so it was like a super easy direct line. Um, <laughs> and then it was like I've never been that tight with a shop owner since, so I never bothered to do it again. <laughs> For the same reason that you said, I'm just fucking lazy. <laughs> you pushed Dude. me to do it. <laughs> uh, Marco also pulled I Breathe the Body, number two. So, yeah. So, I Breathe the Body is an Aftershock comic. It The cover on number one interests me because it mm. looks sort of reminiscent of some, like, Attack on Titan shit. Very body horror. Very much um, uh, focused on what happens when you can control people with social media but the person who is the influencer is like a manufactured person um so it 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 generally interested me a lot super super body horror stuff like literally just organs flying around and shit 
Um, <laughs> and it's by Zach Thompson and Andy McDonald, who does the, the art. And they're, they're knocking it out of the park. So uh, I'm interested to see what else they, um, where the story goes in number two. And I really enjoyed McDonald's art. Awesome. So uh, the three of us, Kale, Pete, and myself, we all chose X-Men number 18. We've been talking about it and hyping it for weeks and it's months. And it's finally coming. Yeah, this is uh, uh, X-23 and two other uh, nameless and unimportant X-Men oh. coming out of, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll see what, you know, what importance they have, but they're not important <laughs> to me at all. Uh, you don't like Darwin? Who's Darwin? It's the guy from the movie. It's one of the bald I, guys. I, I forgot. Kale doesn't like black uh, heroes. That's what it was. Oh, that's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> you sent me up. You said Um. But uh, they're coming out of the uh, time vault balloon vault thing. Um, yeah, that's on Krakoa, and we're gonna see what the hell happened. And yeah, that's uh, gonna be one of the one of the forms of payoff that um, uh, was set up early on. In in yeah, was it dawn? It was dawn of X at the time, and yeah. we're in reign of X now. Yeah, because so. that was in like what the first five? It was like four, right? When they went. It was definitely early on. It was early. It was in the first ten, without Whatever. question. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was hype, though. I remember. I remember us being super excited about like the setup and everything for that. I yeah. I, I remember feeling like super excited about like, holy shit, that's cool. This it's is crazy. the shit that like is rewarding about reading long runs like this. You know, like this is the shit that I love about comics. Of like, oh yeah, remember that thing that happened like twelve issues ago? It's like, well. Pff- that chickens come home to roost, motherfuckers. It's like, good. Yes, let's go. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's open this puzzle box. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's very exciting. Uh, we will be reviewing it. So if you are excited like we are, definitely uh, watch this space because our reviews for books drop on Sundays. So you can, uh, what do people do on Sundays? Uh, you drink tea, coffee? What's the, yeah. like, yeah. You start your day with a nice hot bev and uh, listen to our review. Yeah. It's a holy day. It's a day of Sabbath, so it's the perfect time. Uh, Some of us go to church. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, I mean, not now, obviously. (laughs) Well, if you were a real believer, you'd be in those pews every Sunday. That's all I'm saying. My man, I'm on computer church. (laughs) Are you really? No. (laughs) I could be. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I could be too. Um, it, it, yeah, it is a real thing. It's just not, I, 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 no, I'm not. Doing believe it. me, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kale's waking up every Sunday to watch Joel Osteen. You know, I tell you what, for real though, I wake up every Sunday and I watch Columbo for like four hours. Oh my god, you're and a fucking only, ninety year old that's man. Only, that's only two episodes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you do watch Joel Olstein, and I was going to say, well. We were going to have some problems. Yeah, I would I would probably ends. be successful if I listened to Joel Osteen. <laughs> successful at, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. All right. <laughs> Yo, I'm here for Instead, it. Let's tear that motherfucker down. <laughs> I'm going to pivot into the news, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct now my words to Pete. So the first news item that we have here is... Uh, we plan to watch the Invincible trailer with you guys and show it and and break it down. But Pete, man, 
I've got, I've, there's a little bit of a problem. I've got, I, I have to present you with a painful choice. Oh no! Because the Invincible trailer is not the only one that dropped within the last seven days. In fact, this very week, we also got a trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, wait, what? Did we really? God, we did. Yeah, we dumb. sure did. Oh wait, sure did. did. I really and thought you so, were going to say Mortal Kombat. Here's the thing, man. Wouldn't it be so wrong? If we only watched one of those trailers, like, wouldn't that be not cool for I mean, the people who listen to this podcast and want the full spectrum of our thoughts mm, about these mm, things? Don't yeah, you agree, yeah. Pete? Yeah. Okay, cool. So here's the thing. The Justice League trailer, not in the news. Invincible trailer, in the news. If you want to watch the Invincible trailer, we're going to have to watch Justice League Oh. So it's your call. That's fine. I thought you were going to be like, you have to pick which one we're going to watch. And I'm obviously selfishly going to pick Invincible. And I thought you were just going to make a villain out of me. If all I have to do is swallow that shit to watch Invincible, that's fine. Let's do it. How does everyone else feel? I can live that? with that. I think he should swallow shit. <laughs> yeah, let's make, let's make Pete swallow shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. Then fuck it. Let's not watch Justice League. <laughs> Well, so you guys are cool with the fact that he's making you watch the Justice League trailer that you've yet to see? It's on me. Uh, oh, no, I saw it. There's blood on oh, my oh, oh, I didn't watch it. I Let's go. It. Oh, no? No. All right. Well. Bro, that movie's four fucking hours. That's like asking me to be like, hey, so I know you're on death row, right? Do you want to watch a bunch of videos of people going to the electric chair first or just to, just to mentally prepare yourself? Fuck it. I'm going in. Whatever. It's fine. Let's watch it. You would, I would. Whoa, Jesus no Christ! That I would was definitely a wild metaphor. <laughs> not want to watch that. No, I'm saying I wouldn't want to. That's my point. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, fine. Uh, we're going to start with the Invincible trailer, and then we will watch <sighs> Justice League. Gonna make me end on Justice though. League. <laughs> We did already see the Justice League trailer. It was called a movie, and it was two and a half hours. That's long. true. Yeah, that was the trailer. <laughs> and somehow, in the trailer that we're going to watch here in a moment, uh, I didn't. There, none of that was in the movie. No, it wasn't. Great. So there you go. Uh, here we go. I'm going to get us started with this Invincible trailer, and uh, I don't have share screen privileges. <laughs> oh no! Oh boy. <laughs> I guess we can't watch either. Oh, <laughs> no trailers. <laughs> All right. We're good. We're golden. We're perfect. Here we go. Yeah, we did. We got to get demonetized on this video, guys. Okay. <laughs> for all that money we get for it in the first place. Exactly. So we saw a couple weeks ago, I think it was uh, a very brief scene from the show. This is yeah. more of a legitimate trailer that introduces a lot of the themes and things that we're going to see. Uh, throughout the series and it looks pretty good gave us first looks at like a lot of characters too um because yes. like the previous trailer was pretty much just mark and his dad you know this time like we got to actually hear the voices of like some you know major players like adam eve and robot and rexplode and um that's really cool uh i i think this is nice because i think the the teaser was a good teaser it gave me an idea of what the show was going to feel like i think this gives you a way better idea of the tone of it especially if you're not familiar with the comic the invincible costume is just so fucking good it really is it is just so good 
uh, it's actually one of my favorite jokes in the early part of the series is like uh, he when he goes to get his costume, uh, the first one he tries on was the original design they had for Invincible, and it's not good. Um, and then he's like, I just want something that's like a little more. And then the the tailor's like iconic, and he's like, yeah, and he's like, great, that's an easy note. <laughs> Come back later, I'll have something better. <laughs> I just want to rewind here real quick because uh, there is such a crazy cast for this show. Like they just hit you with so many names, right? Yeah, like, Mahershala Ali. Uh- <laughs> Like Zachary Quinto. I'm actually gonna pause it. Oof, man, it goes by Zazie so fast. Beats, I just saw. Yeah, Zazie yeah. Beats is um uh Amber. Look at that. Nicole Wire. Wow. Fucking Clancy uh, Brown. Like yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's in everything. Like that's that's he's great, Cohen. a surprise. He yeah, is, absolutely. Lauren Cohen, Michael Cudlitz, Mark John Hamill, Dorn, Mark Goggins. Hamill. Yeah, Mark Hamill plays uh the tailor art. Mark Walton Hamill's Goggins, also, uh, Mark Hamill's also in absolutely everything. That yeah, that's fair. But yeah, uh, oh, I didn't even I forgot there were more. There's pages. two more pages. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Gillian Jacobs was uh, the pink one. She's Adam Eve. Yeah. Ooh, Jason okay, Manzukis. Ezra Miller. Whoa. Um. Yeah, Jason Manzukis. So Nico Martin Green. Hot shit. Uh, Jason Manzukis is is uh, Rex. I forget who Sonequa Martin oh, Green nice. is. I love him. Yeah, he has a line in the trailer. Jason Manzukis, Lenny is. James, Kelly yeah. Payton. That's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Cyborg. The, just, uh, from Teen cool. Titans. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Cool. Oh. Cool. Zachary uh, Quinto. Yes. Zachary Quinto. Seth Rogen. Justin Roiland was a new one that that had just been confirmed in this trailer. He's from um, Rick and Morty. Oh, okay. um, he is Rick and Morty. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, he's yeah. both voices. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, obviously a big name in voice acting right now too. Like Mae Whitman. Yeah, it's like it's it's a mix of like A tier voice actors and like legit celebrities. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, I think this this is a an awesome trailer. Personally, it shows off a little too much for me. I feel like there are some pretty key spoilers here that um, it could maybe do without. I agree. Um, Interesting. I As you can see, lots of chaos. I think I think the thing is, Sean, and I don't want to talk about what the things I think are spoilers yeah. are. I think you know they're spoilers because you know enough about the book to pick yeah. up on it. I think if you are going in totally blind or, you know, are um you know, a little bit more um I guess just like on the periphery, I think I don't know that you'll take it that way. But Yeah, that's that's fair. Um Obviously, for for me as someone who's read the book, I I definitely get what you're talking about. Cause cause that's what I was gonna say was that I don't like I didn't feel like these were spoilers because I don't know this. If anything, it it increased the stakes for me mm-hmm. and got me more interested because I'm like, oh, I don't know what all of this stuff is, and I'm I'm interested to see how we get to some of those things. Mm-hmm. And because I don't know the implications, it leaves me with a lot of questions that I would want to get answered. So like like this trailer did a much better job of making me care where the original trailer just showing uh, Mark and his dad. I'm like, all right, fine, yeah. whatever. It, it, it gives me the illusion of typical superhero shit, right? And this this makes it more, this gives me uh, a differentiator that I, I would need and would want for me to, to tune in. I, I, think, I think this trailer is important for people 
like you, Marco, and for mm-hmm. like people who are a little more uninitiated, because I agree. Like, I think that the I, like I got a lot out of those earlier teasers because I, I've read the book. But like, oh yeah, and Sandra. Oh, I forgot is his mom too. It's fucking amazing. Um, I I think like you get a look at this this trailer, and it's the first time that I think it properly conveys the tone of Invincible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That it is like a marriage of like the kind of like silver age kind of sensibilities with a modern take and then that there are these kind of moments of like you know like hyper violence that feel a little like atonal from like the superhero like the traditional superhero fare um and none of that had been properly communicated i think in any of the the previous trailers and like there wasn't a lot of humor in those either and like invincible is funny um, like the scene of him like going to fly and getting caught by the mailman or whatever, like that's a, a tone in Invincible that is pretty common um, that hadn't been really shared yet, right? Um, so I think yep. the fact that it mixes a lot of like smaller moments, you know, like him having a conversation with his mom, him talking to his friend who figured out that he's a superhero, like those are the more human side of the story, um, as well as some of the more like larger than life shit that you know you come to expect. What's the uh, release date on this? March 26th, and it's the first three episodes come out that day, so it'll be... I think they're all an hour. Day, uh, so it's wow. pretty hefty for the first day, and then they come out every Friday after that. And it's eight episodes? It's eight episodes for the first season, yeah. Okay. And I, th- I think they are commissioned for another one, but I'm not certain about that. I would imagine so. I think they have plans to do the, the whole thing. That'd be wild. How long? How long do you think that would take, Pete? It depends on where this season ends. Like if, three if weeks. oh, interesting. What'd you say? Three Kill? weeks. Oh, it only take three weeks. It's yeah. 150 issues. It's like six hours of content. So three Easy. weeks, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, if this if this season ends where I think it's gonna end, it'll be somewhat similar to where we're gonna stop for the book club that we're doing for Invincible in March, mm. um, which is probably like a quarter ish of the way through it's a little less than that it's i guess more like a six of the way through okay interesting aren't they making alterations as well though like aren't they doing some things differently they are um and it's interesting because the way that kirkman talked about it i think it it could easily make it longer um mm. because he said that there are a lot of characters who are like minor characters like uh I've brought up the character art a few times he's the guy who creates Mark's costume he's like a minor supporting character in the comic and like he shows up a good amount he's not not important but you know uh, I wouldn't say that he's a main cast by any stretch and he said that he's far more relevant in the show and more involved so like if they are fleshing out the roles of smaller characters, if they are going to spend more time with like with him being in school and like his relationship with Amber and some of these other things, like those are things that like I could see extending the length quite a bit, but it's also like, is there stuff they're going to cut? You know, is, are they going to prioritize different storylines in different ways? Like it's hard to say, but I think that when you really like look at invincible, uh, it's broken up into major arcs that have a few minor arcs in between them. And then like each major arc feeds into the next one, right? So like 
you could say that the the major first arc is him becoming invincible and him growing into his role as a hero, and then that tra- in in that there's a bunch of different stories that happen before he kind of gets into the next stage of his career, and then he's dealing with these problems, you know, and it, it builds on itself in that way. So it's like if if this ends where I think it's going to end, you're probably still in the pretty early days of of his career and you know the the book itself follows his entire life so there's like a lot of stuff to get through in that way so if they're really going to take their time it could go for a really long time if they want it to um if they're gonna do like a more it's eight hours every season and you know we're trying to hit like a four to five season arc or something like that you know, um, I think it's a little more predictable where that goes because of the way that Invincible is anchored by those big moments in those arcs, you know? Like, I know that there are defined moments that they're gonna get to, even if they're different in some way, um, because they kind of have to, in the same way that, like, that's what The Walking Dead was like, right? Like, it's, oh, how is it gonna be different from the books? But, like, we know that there are places we've gotta go, that there are characters we've gotta meet, that there are beats that we're gonna touch on in some way. All right, Pete. Listen, we know you're excited, man. Uh, All right, Pete. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta move along. All right. Let's watch so, Justice League, I guess. You're, you're damn right. We're <laughs> Justice you're absolutely right. We're it was worth it. Justice League. It was worth it. We shall see. Uh, so I'm gonna plug us into the Justice League trailer here, and uh, if you guys, if you guys haven't watched it. Uh, it's 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 pretty good. So if you're on YouTube, you can see it alongside us. If you're not, uh, you can pull it up and check it out. <clears throat> I don't it, think you guys um, will be able to hear it. No, no. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to hear. It's in SD. It. There's some music and stuff. <laughs> guys, it's in SD. Like, what's happening? No, hey. it's just four by three. That's SD. That's Zach SD Snyder to you, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. I got to tell you, I thought this trailer was pretty cool. That's that's one thing about Snyder that has always gotten me is my man knows how to make a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, I don't I genuinely don't think I like any of his movies. And I, I would argue that he's made some of the best trailers ever. Like that fucking Man of Steel trailer is amazing. Like, like that trailer for Man of Steel cuts more to the core of what Superman is than Man of Steel does. Yeah, hundred percent. I could not agree with you more. <laughs> uh, so there's there's a lot going on in this trailer. Lots of shots of um, Dark Side and um, what's his Steppenwolf, um, who looks different than he did before yeah, he does spikier yeah it's kind of weird but uh it's black costume superman that's cool i guess um yes is it the flash's I, dad in jail or something like yeah yeah okay. uh, i think that's a thing in the comics too right because that is yeah is framed yeah it's yeah it's a a, a more modern take but yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and it's what the uh the early parts of the cw show was revolved around as well Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm all in. I don't want to see any more. I really hope this is the last trailer. 
Oh, uh, this is the this is the the bit. Uh, the we live in a oh. society bit. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, J- Joker's saying it right now. Oh my god. Yeah. So we- I heard about that. I didn't. Say it. It's it's wild that off of this trailer, Disney decided to make a Cruella a Cruella Deville origin film off that last scene. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. How they, they get that out so fast? That's wild. I Emma Stone was had, very they, available. She's just stuck at home right now. She's like, let's go. Her, they must have her on speed dial or something. <laughs> it's like it's like a, when they go to E3 with the video game trailers, it's like a vertical slice. It's like, this is the only scene of the movie we've made. <laughs> I actually have a genuine question because I don't know and I don't have anything more to say about this trailer. Um, what? Where did that meme come from? The we live in a society. Like I don't even know what that is. Joker. Uh, the, the, it came from the uh, Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Oh, he says that in the movie. Uh, I don't know better than I. I don't. I don't think he actually says it. But I think it was like a thing that people memed because it was like so heavy-handed the way it was talking about society. So it was very much like kind of an ape of that and then now it's actually in the movie and i think that's why people thought it was so fucking funny is like we were making fun of this you realize that correct like (laughs) i'm sure he does he's just saying the quiet part loud yes (laughs) zach saying the quiet part loud snyder that's so accurate (laughs) it's like have you ever seen sucker punch yes i i remember seeing that movie and i was just like Jesus, like, get a fucking bullhorn and scream in my face the themes of the movie, why don't you? <laughs> I like that movie. Yeah, you know what? To be fair, though, that's that movie's not terrible. I, d- I don't like it, but it has good visual design and, like, it's shot well. And, like, that's the thing that frustrates me about Zack Snyder. It's not that he's, n- he's not without talent. I just don't like the movies he makes. I really don't. I feel like he would be such a good, like, um what is it like they have like the director of photography or whatever right like it's like the supporting like i think he's good at establishing a visual style and an aesthetic but like i don't like the stories he tells at all did he do 300 am i crazy okay that was like his first big yeah that's what i think 300 is pretty cool too yeah yeah and i mean i like watchmen i think it's i I genuinely i think it's i think it's like other than watchmen if you separate that, for me, it's these DC properties that it's just like it, he is not the person for this. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, if you want to watch the Snyder Cut, whether for the memes or because this is your dream, <laughs> uh, you can tune in March 18th. It'll be streaming on HBO Max. I don't know if it's gonna go away after a month like they did with Wonder Woman. I haven't heard that. Um, I, th- I, I think not. it's because be- all the branding has this as a Max original, right? So I think that just means it's on the platform. Yeah, that was kind of my thought. So okay, good. I'm glad to know that. Glad to know that. If you want to watch with us, we're going to be doing that on March 19th, the day after Friday. Uh, it's a long movie. Potentially so subject to change. Don't forget. Because we have, sure. we figured out there's the Falcon and the Winter Soldier of it all, so we have to figure out where we're gonna fit this shit all together. But we're definitely gonna do a watch along that weekend. 
<laughs> Somehow, some way, we will get it out. We will suffer we will through watch this it with you guys, <laughs> and we will review you. it. Well, hell yeah! Hold on, <laughs> we, we, we're we, doing we it. We will review it. I'm we not fucking watching this shit. If we're not yeah, reviewing. Yeah, listen that that part I've committed to the bullet to my head that has come. Marco said I had to be excited about it. That's oh, part I take okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally legitimate. Yeah, I'm dreading it. <laughs> I compared it to going through the electric chair earlier. So that's where I'm at emotionally. Dread it. Run from it. I, I don't even the like the, the shit that's good. Why Why do you think I would be excited about this? That's a good point. You don't like anything. Um, <laughs> kills the here's something you might like, though. I doubt it. Uh, wait. So, DC is bringing back Batman 89 and Superman 78, the Richard Donner stuff, into comics. Keep going. So, oh, oh, okay. All right. I got you Keep so far. Keep going. Okay. So, uh, so, <laughs> so, in July, both of those franchises are going to become comics. And they will be picking up where those movies left off. Uh, so for uh, for uh, Batman, we're gonna see, we're gonna have Sam. Who? What's his name? Uh, Sam Ham and Joe Quinones. All right, fuck well, it, thank fuck you. It. I've thank done you. it. Uh, you're in. You got me. I knew it. God I damn. knew it. Okay. Bastard got me. Uh, Sam Ham. Uh, did the original screenplay for Batman yes. 89. Yes. Which is one reason I'm excited about this. The That's second cool. reason I'm excited about this is that Joe Canones has wanted to do this book for years. And I'm so excited to see that because his Batman stuff is just so good. Did you see uh, Joey Esposito um, trying to get a campaign started so he could letter the book? No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joey Esposito's a letterer. Um, in comics, and I'm pretty sure he used to host IGN's uh, comics podcast, and uh, he wants to edit or letter this book. Over on the Superman side of things, Rob Venditti and Wilfredo Torres are working on Superman 78. The cover of that, like, it, it really takes you back. Yeah, Like, it, yeah. it, it captures this, the style of that movie so well yeah wilfredo torres is a tremendous choice nailed it like really looks like um uh donner Christopher Eve. oh yeah that's what i meant <laughs> thank you Don donner was the director the director yeah <laughs> i love the cover for for 89 yeah that is it's the same vibe where it's like it's so stylized like it's you the just like the font with like the the it's like looks like it's metal and it's got the little little light like stars on it and everything yeah. it's like holy shit this is so 1989 yeah i love it yep I and like you it. can see how stiff the costume even looks kind of in the neck like <clears throat> that suit is so fucking dope though like the just straight hard black with just the little yellow emblem i love yeah. that love that look so the way this is going to roll out is uh each both of these are going to have uh, six digital chapters that will drop on July twenty yes. seventh, and then every week after that there will be a new chapter 
for six more weeks for a total of 12 chapters that will then be uh, released in print between August and October. And then we will get the hardcover edition in October for Batman and November for Superman. Interesting. That's an interesting rollout. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm here for the digital stuff and the hardcover, the physical stuff. No, what? No, this is so like, this is what I don't understand. This is huge. And why would you make people wait to go pick this up in stores? I, I think this is like taking it back to the I want to say it was last week the conversation last we week, had yeah. with, yeah with yeah. milestone. Mm-hmm. I think this is the kind of book you need to put on to push the digital, you know. And I think that's why is that it is hype and it is big, and that like if you want to read it day one, they want you to go and buy digital. And like if you want the physical, like oh we're gonna put out a nice hardcover, so you can wait for that if you want. But I think they're <laughs> hoping that there will be collectors who'll double dip. Will buy it digitally and then get the hardcover. I uh, yeah, I that will probably be me, frankly. Uh, I'm I'm I'd be interested to know why now, because Canonis has been trying to get this done for years. Like I said, when when Batman sixty six started, mm. he wanted to crank that stuff out. I mean, maybe that's why. Like maybe they like because I the way that it sounds right. Like I would imagine that a at least some work has already been done, right? Like it sounds like they've got kind of like a, like they're ahead at some level. So like maybe it was that they've been working on it and they had this plan for this alternative kind of release structure. And you know, like this was one of the books that they were like, Oh yeah. Like this would be a big, this would get headlines. There's this creative team that's excited to do it. It's a great opportunity to try and force people to go digital. And I think another thing um, that I just thought of right now, these are books that you will uniquely appeal to normies that like superhero shit. Like I could see people who are like specifically into 89 Batman being like, Oh yeah. Like I already have a Kindle. I'll read this on my Kindle. Like, you know what I mean? Like that might be a good inroad for a more casual audience to adopt digital first and be like, this is how I read comic books. I I feel like this would also kind of alongside that be something that would attract older readers who are fans of the movies. Right. Who wouldn't maybe have tried out the comics and now they're providing it in some sort of accessible fashion to those who maybe do read digitally and, and um, who have been away from comics for a little bit. It, it could be like a, a play towards that audience, however small that might be. And trying to convert them to digital. Sure. Or just like bring them back and Hey, you were bringing you back, but in this format. Yeah. Lost me at digital first. I got to tell you. Yeah. Hey man, that's the, that's the whole game plan now, which is like, wild to think does that hamper your desire to read them though or just like does it kind of like ruin your hype for the announcement it ruins my hype for the announcement and i know how i am by the time this comes out it'll all of the wave of excitement will have passed and i may or may not pick it up at that point easy because I, i i also like this is so cool but it's not you know uh it's not in continuity and you know who the hell knows what the quality will be so i'm not gonna pick it up 
without knowing already whether or not it's very good or very bad. You know, even if the first issue was a banger, if the next one is garbage and then it's bad throughout, they'll never get my money. I won't even buy the first one. Um, So I, I just, I don't know. I care less and I feel like I'm conditioned to care less when it's digital first. Mm. Would, would you have felt that way if they released it at the same time? No. So, uh, or, or I mean, like, would you have waited to hear about it before picking no. it up? Oh, you would just got got gone yeah, for I would it. Buy it. Yeah. yeah, and I think there are probably a lot of readers like you. Um, we talked about that, where like that is a risk with these books. Like, if they don't hit, then I think they probably won't sell when they come out physically. Um, mm. But I mean, I think in the case of this, they're probably banking that it is going to be good, um, which is why they're like trying to sell people on digital with it. And I guess the hope is that when it does come out in the collected edition, it gets that kind of second wave of like, oh, now more people are talking about it because the physical readers are reading it now. You know, it's kind of like when, um, you know, like when uh, Community was like on Hulu and then it came to Netflix and then everyone was talking about it again because it's like, oh, this whole other audience can enjoy it now. And stuff can have two moments, but that's contingent on it being really fucking good, which is, you know, that's kind of a X factor. I, I did want to just comment on the weekly format because that's something that Wave Blue World has been doing and I've been picking up their Avery uh, series and mm-hmm. I've actually enjoyed that that format really, really well because they already know when the trade's coming out. So, you know, you can you can wait for that trade or um, for the past three weeks, I've been picking up Avery and I've been enjoying it enough that it, it's something exciting to wait for for the next week because then I don't lose that momentum. Um, and, and if people who are picking this up to whatever degree right i don't know if it's going to be printed weekly but at least as it's released digitally weekly i think that's also a good way to attract people and keep them um in in that format yeah week to week is a more attractive model than month to month you know um we've talked about how like there are some comics that do not benefit from month to month um some do yeah. Uh, so that's like another thing that is kind of interesting about this whole thing is like it's not only that you're pushing digital first, you are trying a different distribution system. And I, I, I like that. I think it's attractive for the same reason I was excited about like Black Label and like, you know, the European style books and stuff where it's just like the more ways you have to deliver comics, the more you can tailor the story to the format. And, like, if it is a book that is going to be more exciting week to week or, or something like that, like, you can put it out this way, you know? or And you can try different stuff. And, like, that's cool. That potentially opens up the medium to new, you know, new voices, new styles of story. You know, we saw that with, like, web comics when they when they first came online, right? And, like, that that changed the landscape in, in a certain way. Um, so I, that that is, I think, probably the unsung most interesting part of this, too, is, like, that could be a real game changer. We loved Hoxpox when it was week to week, you know? It helped you be more engaged with it and make it feel more immediate. Man, uh, I I don't know if I've ever preferred week to week. Um, really? Not even with yeah. Hoxpox? Uh, I think Hoxpox was a little bit of a different type of experience because it wasn't just one book. Yeah. And mm. you were getting it was it was ev- technically it's every other week because House is telling one story and Powers is telling another. They're interrelated, but when you read them, you can tell that they're not the same. Mm. So um there's that. But like I've read weekly weekly books where I got exhausted and I couldn't I couldn't keep up. Mm. It just wasn't 
it, it was it was too much. And then also I felt like the quality dipped uh, from the creative teams as well because of how much content it was. Interesting. And that's something that Marvel has tried to do a lot. Like uh, with Avengers, they did the No Surrender, No Road Home. And, you know, those were okay. Um, but again, I just, just didn't finish them. I finished them later. In the moment, I was like, ah, I can't do this. I'm a I'm I'm a monthly reader. Mm. It's interesting because you said the thing about like the quality and like the the like the weekly grind and everything like that. You know that definitely um, is is gonna impact the quality and pacing of a story and stuff. With these though, I wonder if you'll feel that same or if you would feel that same way. I guess reading these week to week because I, I'm imagining that these are stories that have it's more like a maxi. Right where it's like it was a finite order of a certain number of issues, and they're just deciding to release it this way more so than like you know when like Amazing Spider-Man was every two weeks, and it's like you got to put out two issues, you know, um, that would create that crunch. Whereas like if you do this in a way where it's like all finished, and then you just release it, kind of like what um, what Marco was describing with like what that's like Wave what Wave Blue World does. Um, I don't know. Well- in the examples of of the Avengers books, those that was like a, a specific thing they were doing. That was that was format like, as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Did you um, read Fifty Two? Huh. No, no, no. That was before my time as a DC reader. Fifty Two and Countdown were interesting cases because they were also done by. Even the writing team was four different people. Mm-hmm. So it was each week was like a different section of the story. So you didn't, uh, at least I, you know, I was young and hungry back then. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I, it didn't feel quite as exhausting. Sure. Uh, it's the pl- illusion of it. Go ahead, kill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus, you know, it was leading up to something. Sure. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it, you know, similar to what Pete, Pete was saying, but like you knew at some point, this was going to pay off altogether. Um, but I'm, yeah, it was big as hell. I'm just wondering if a story like this can't tap into kind of like the event television kind of model, you know, where it is like, oh, like, I wonder what's going to happen next Tuesday, you know? I'm assuming they drop on Tuesdays. I don't think this is the story. Either one of there. these are the stories that would do that. Not even for me, like just remove me from the equation. I don't think that these are the stories that are going to do that for general audiences mm-hmm. because of the fact that they're not uh, drivers of any particular major storyline. Um, I think that casual, I think casual audiences are probably more likely mm. to want to read something where you're going to see like Batman's new costume or, you know, dark side's big plan or whatever in an event versus something like this, where it's playing on nostalgia, but the new comics audience that you guys always talk about this mystical um, untapped fan. I don't think this is for them because this is, aping on something from probably before they were born yeah um and then for the older person who is either a lapsed fan of comics or has never engaged with them i feel like they're they're not gonna be they're not gonna be like yeah uh i haven't read comics in 20 years i'm gonna pick up my kindle 
yeah. and dive in. I just I don't I don't get that from this. I guess cool as cool as it is, like I mean, let's be real, they're not gonna advertise it. I think I think it really just, you know, that's that's their way. That's they just don't. That's important. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think it really depends on the quality. I think like especially Batman. I think if Batman is like really hot, um Gen Xers fucking love those movies. Like Batman, I I wouldn't be surprised if that could connect with the lapsed fan, but Batman's always hot though. And like it's just a, a, a matter of which one you like. And I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of think Sean's right. I, I I think this will go down the way the rest of the digital comics has been. Like Injustice was good, but you know, who do you know outside of the people that were reading Injustice talk about Injustice? Yeah, but I mean, it sold really well, you know, so it's like that's kind of immaterial. Like if people are talking about it is irrelevant if it's popular, because like if there's a huge number of, you know, dudes in their late 30s or 40s or whatever that are showing up and reading this on their Kindle, um, but they're not talking about it on Twitter or whatever, who gives a shit, right? Like that that doesn't necessarily matter either. You know, like hype is important for a book, but like sales are what matter. And like you said, like Batman's always hot. I don't know that. Um, you know, my coworker who likes superheroes but doesn't read comics but was like interested in uh, you know, Dawn of X, but then got turned off because it was too alien to him. Like 89 Batman is something that's familiar, and like this is the Batman that I know, and like I can relate to this, and I don't know. Like, I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. I think that like I think this is the kind of book that can tap into that that kind of fan but like will it is a way way harder question you know on paper it could I think. yeah right. with the right but, press with yeah. the right positioning is it going to get those things though i don't know probably not remains to be seen uh i think dc has shown us that they want to make digital work mm -hmm. regardless of whether or not it it is so uh with like forget I'm putting aside how I feel about this personally. I want this to work. I Same. want them to promote it. I want people to tune in because it is cool and it is special. And there are people who like saw the, the Batman 89 and saw returns and then obviously hated uh, Batman forever. <laughs> and that story for them is done. Mm -hmm. And now it doesn't have to be. So mm -hmm. putting aside everything else we're talking about for that reason alone i want this to work yeah to me like that was like what arkham asylum was for me and and the cartoon you know sure. it's, i want people to have that moment if they're that close to 89 so we're talking about these old books or these old movies rather and i've got a book for us to talk about that makes perfect sense with that declan shalvey that's a name we haven't said in a while. He's writing a book called Time Before Time. That's coming out in May. Uh, and it's he's co-writing it with Rory McConville. Um, and it's going to be drawn by Joel Palmer. And the reason we're talking about this book right now is because when I read the premise, I had that moment where you kind of like let out a, a small laugh and you go, I can't believe no one's done this yet. So here it is. The year is 2140 
and to escape a world with no future, many turn to the syndicate, a criminal organization who, for the right price, will smuggle you back in time to a better life. (laughs) Right? After working for the syndicate for years, Tatsuo and Oscar decide to steal one of their boss's time machines, but soon find out that the one thing you can't run from is your past. That's a good elevator pitch. I love it. That's a really good pitch. I love it. Immediately establishes the drama, the players. Like, that's a cool-ass premise. I'm into that. Yeah. You know, it was the first thing that took out to me looking at the t- uh, the the covers is how um, it's 0001. Are they implying that this book is going to go for a 1,000 issues? <laughs> yes. <laughs> bold, Declan. Bold. Yo, what do you think about this? You think the title is a play on the song "Time After Time"? Yeah. Okay. Totally. All right. Oh, that's all the I thoughts I have on it. That. Then. <laughs> no. Time uh, after the, time. Like you say, the um, uh, the premise is dope. That is a a kick ass uh elevator pitch. Looking at the pages, though, I just cannot get into this art. There's just something really? I don't, I can't put my finger on what it is. I don't know if it's the uh, I like I don't know if it's the the heavy inks on top of the 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 80s purple and pink. It's just not doing it for me. I I dig that. I think it it looks stylistic. Like it it feels like it's intentional. It makes it feel like 80s-ish, you know? Mm-hmm. Um not it to say that like, you should like it, but I'm just saying yeah. it's working for me. Yeah, it feels like a like a pulp sci-fi book. Um, I, I I definitely dug the vibes and and the um, the colors on it. Chris O'Halloran, like I I've, I've been following him for a little bit too. He's he does really good stuff. He actually recently did um, uh, I'm forgetting what it was, but like an issue of a book that I had just finished reading, and I remember like thoroughly liking the colors on there. Hassan Otsman Elhow, he's a really great letterer too. Tremendous yeah. letterer. Yeah. Yeah. Like like th- this is this is a really tight team and and I think it the art at, at least on my end like like the art definitely shows. I like how bold it is. I think I felt more like Kale, but because the premise is so strong, and the art isn't, it's certainly not bad by any stretch. No, this of is course a, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is an instant buy for me. Yeah. I saw somebody on Twitter compare it to like, um, actually the the title of this article even is Looper meets Saga, and that's like something that they had been they had been as like a a quick synopsis of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, and I love I love like this is what's so cool about comics. You don't you don't have to have the budget of a Looper to make this book. Yeah, you know, you can just say, "Oh shoot, I got this great idea," and then you assemble your squad, and now it's happening within a year of the idea um, being a thing. Because even in the Bleeding Cool article we have, um, they use Declan Shalvey's uh, newsletter mm. uh, where he talks about how this book kind of came to be from way back in in March of 2020 when it was mm. called Project Passenger, or at least that's the name he was comfortable with allowing us to hear. Um, so yeah, like 
it's just it's just beautiful that that they're that he's getting to tell this story that 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 means something to him that it turned around and it and it came up the way it did. I'm excited for this May 2021. Uh, right in if you're if you're hyped for this. This is cool. Yeah, it looks hot. It seemed like the Discord uh, was pretty pretty hot for it. Oh yeah, I, mean, I missed Good. that conversation. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Oh, I just remembered where Chris O'Halloran was. He did Ha Ha, um, that most recently came out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The, uh, issue two of that, I think, just came out this week. Yeah, it was good. Uh, worth pointing out, too, apparently the first issue is extra size, which is pretty chill. Nice. I like that in the first issue. You don't run, in, uh, you're not, you don't run the risk of running into the, the radiant black problem we had last week of, like, I could use a little more. <laughs> so. Yeah, I hear you. Well, uh Comics Pro Summit is ongoing, and there's always news coming out of there. So on the DC side of things, uh, if you want more DC comics, you're going to get them because DC says that, uh, well, well, they've got 11 new comic announcements. Nice. Yeah. Didn't they just cancel everything? What are we doing? (laughs) Isn't that crazy? They just cancel things, announce new things. It is what it is. Uh, so broad strokes uh, at this event, which was digital uh, this year, as it should be, um, or I guess virtual would be a better phrase. Uh, they spoke about their commitment to the direct market uh to digital uh, and all these different mediums. There's been a lot of conversation about DC abandoning the physical comic space, and they've been fighting that off as they've been culling their line of physical <laughs> books. It's it's actually hilarious to watch. Um, I promise we are very dedicated to the market, the direct market. Mm-hmm. But so here are the books that they announced. Uh, Deathstroke Incorporated. Harley Quinn animated series sequel. Like what? Uh, like as a comic? I guess so. Which makes no sense because that show's still on. <laughs> yeah, right? Did it just get canceled? I think it got canceled. It did? I it thought they did? Were, I thought they were keeping it on. I'll look. No? I'll look. I'll look. Keep okay. going. Yeah, I thought I, yeah. thought I heard it did. So so uh, this is absolutely a sequel to that to that series in any event. Um, hmm. a, a comic sequel, I should say. Um, they're going to be putting out a Wonder Woman 80th anniversary title. That makes sense. Uh, something only called Elseworld. Uh, DC Vampires, which is a working title. I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you like that? Just raw like you know, that? It's not, it, it, it is what it says on the tin. DC Vampires. <laughs> it's not bad. I've seen a lot of, like, do you remember when they had that the Marvel Pets book or whatever? Feels I mean, like one of those kinds of books. <laughs> certainly better than Harley Quinn animated series sequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robin and Batman. See, now we're talking. Mm, I don't like that. Uh, Joker. If you if you haven't had enough, if the Joker solo series isn't enough, if the fifty seven black label Joker books aren't enough. We've got Joker, a puzzle box. I fucking hate this. 
I hate that the I fucking hate that the name of this book is a puzzle box. Go fuck yourself, man! Like what the hell? That's so lazy. J.J. Abrams gonna be on this, right? Oh yeah, J.J. and his son reuniting. Hell Wait, yeah! What reuniting? No. I'm not sure that that book is done. Did that book ever? <laughs> Did it get an issue two? No, it did. It's just I'm not sure that it's finished. They're, they put it on indefinite hiatus, which is I read like three issues. Yeah, I think it made it to five. It's awful. I'm, this is just like the sorry, JJ Abrams isn't on this. The joke there is his mystery box thing. Yeah. Oh, we were just we were just playing just goofs. No, nope. they call it Joker a lens flare. That'd be pretty good too. You know. Ooh. I hate this. Keep going. The Joker, Legend of Batman. Society. <laughs> the Joker Crush. runs a country. Joker, a society. Isn't there a book called Emperor Joker? Is that what is that about? That's old, old, oh. old. That was oh. part of the Superman Batman with uh, Ed McGinnis and oh, uh, yeah. Jeff Loeb. Jeff Loeb, yep. Uh, Crush and Lobo. Nubia okay. and the Amazons. I mm, so <laughs> Nubia was the backup for the Wonder Woman book. Hmm. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. Not something I'm looking forward to, based off of what I've read so far. So that's it. Just commentary. Oh, please, fair enough. Uh, and then the last one is DC Middle Ages. So we're gonna get Shining Knight back. Man, I don't <sighs> love that. I, if this is like an Etrigan book, cool. But then I remember oh. that that, but then that all that shit deals with like Merlin and yeah, uh, was it Morgana or whatever the fuck? Like yeah. that shit Morgan doesn't Lafayne. interest me. Yeah. They're definitely gonna have some of that shit in there. Uh, yeah, it's called Middle Ages, dog. Yeah, like yeah, Merlin I is hundred percent gonna be in this fucking book. <laughs> I don't like that stuff. Uh, so on the the note of Harley Quinn, um, season two was. Uh, it premiered in April 3rd, 2020, and then in September, they renewed for a third season and moved it to HBO Max. So yeah, okay. It's still got another one coming. So it's canceled, right? <laughs> Not so yet. One thing that, that sticks out to me is that so this DC Middle Ages book, um, Nubia and the Amazons, um, Robin Wonder and Batman. Sorry? Wonder Woman 80th, they apparently didn't learn that 80s in the title don't make for great projects. No, that's going to be an anniversary title, like the Batman 1000th or whatever. He's trolling. I don't get it. Oh. Sean's broken. Please just let him talk. Yeah, my, my brain is <laughs> <laughs> You've broken the man. <laughs> nice burn, though. Good, good one. <laughs> so what I was driving at is that those books feel like they could have fit in perfectly with Dan Didio's 5G strategy because mm -hmm. originally they were supposed to be telling you this, the whole story of DC, which would theoretically include a Middle Ages. Uh, it would also include Nubia because she is the new 5G. She, well, alongside Yara Floor. Um, she would be fitting into the Amazon spectrum of 5G. Um, you know, I don't even know who Crush is. Crush and Lobo, I don't even know who Crush is. I think Lobo has a daughter. Is that he who does. That is? is that Maybe that's his daughter. Let's maybe. find out. Um, but yeah, that even fits in. So it's just so, mm -hmm. it's so funny how like they're doing 
the 5G deal, but then they're not. That is his daughter. Yeah, Crush is the half-Cesarian daughter of the intergalactic bounty hunter Lobo, who is a member of the Teen Titans. Oh. You gotta wonder just who Dan Didio pissed off. Everyone, remember? Yeah, he just... <laughs> Literally everyone who worked for him. <laughs> Scott Snyder the wrong time of day and got him fired, and now they're just using all his ideas. Pretty much. Um, it is interesting, yeah. right? Yeah, because like you, you said, like Robin and Batman, right? Like that's again putting a younger character forward. Like, yeah, or uh, maybe not. Maybe it's like a like a Nightwing with the next Batman, uh, uh, Tim Tim Fox. Hmm. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, and it's like you know, Robin, quote unquote, is like the the lead guy. Yeah, there's press. Yeah, there's precedent for that. Yeah, um, old Earth Two series. Oh, and I mean old Earth Two series have um, Dick Grayson keeps the Robin name and like grows with it. This is like pre uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth stuff, and his kid becomes a bat. I think he does become Batman, but he's like. The sidekick. Bad boy. <laughs> and they just kind of alternate through the years, through the generations. Interesting. Um, the other thing I was thinking is maybe like, maybe it's not uh, Robin and Batman, two people. Maybe it's Robin and Batman, and it's like about Damien, right? Or something like that, right? And it's, he's in the cowl. Or... Uh, Damien is getting his own spinoff. Where he's in the cowl or just? No, no, no. It, okay. It's his own Robin title. Oh, okay. So probably not that then, but Pete's <laughs> brain working working hard to make sense of DC. Trying to hit these angles. <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's about it as far as DC's presentation at uh Comics Pro f- so far, anyways. Um and I have to say it's really weird. It it just it just really strikes me how they make these these announcements for these books with no creative teams attached, working titles. I understand that this is not for fans. This is for retailers. But retailers get excited by the same things that fans do. Retailers sell books based on the information that they're given from uh, these comic publishing companies, and that's how they sell to us. So to just tell them, you know, Robin and Batman – how do you prepare for that as a retailer? How do you get ready to sell that? It's useless like, information. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, Elseworld. It's like, okay. Sure. Great. Yeah. So there's an Elseworld book coming. Do you have do you have a story I could like, you know what I mean? Like when when Marvel announced the what if return, it was like, here's the first story. And it's like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm in. Right? Like that's how you announce something. <laughs> right. You gotta like show me something or don't, you know? I, I wonder how much of it also is like to get some initial and and like to some limited degree where right? this could just be editorial being like these are the ideas that we have that we want to put out oh gauge reaction maybe and yeah. considering that technically press wasn't supposed to be at these events so like it would just be to a closed circle of the retailers where they might be able to be like oh okay this sort of idea has worked in the past or has not worked in the past to whatever varying degree outside of needing the creative team because that might be to attract the reader 
Whereas from a, hey, how can we position, does this make sense to put forward um, from a, a storyline perspective or like a larger kind of category perspective? I think in, in comics, the, when you, well, <laughs> maybe not in DC comics, right? But in comics in general, when you say, all right, I've got a story about Batman having a son, right? That's like, okay, that's interesting. But then when you say, and Grant Morrison is writing it, everybody's hands go up in the room and they're like blown away. I don't, I can't fathom a logic behind saying anything about anything in a comic and not saying who is on the book. Yeah. Whether it's to retailers or fans, because retailers need to know this information to sell it. Like I, it, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. I, and, and I'm not <laughs> saying that like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't add to it, but what I like, you can separate a, writer from the idea the writer can bring can bring to it a varying degree of quality and that's where like that hype might come from but this is more so like a tease of the ideas that they have as a company uh less so how they think it will do in the market which obviously you need to know but since this is just for the retailers this is just the business end this is the business idea, like the pitch, basically. Well, and to that end, you know, the headline to this piece is, you know, DC uh, teases new projects, reaffirms commitment to the periodicals. It may just be, you know, a list of things they're doing. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. We swear. We love comic book shops. We, I, you're the, you're so close to. We've even got. 11 new titles we're going to ship to our the people who are yeah. close to our hearts the comic shops uh because who who else has been in deep shit with comic shops you know whether yeah. whether you agree with their strategy over the past year or not uh they the fact that shops had an opinion that wasn't positive is bad <laughs> so that's a good point. Well, uh, with that being said, Boom Studios had a presentation at Comics Pro, and boy, oh boy, uh, we've talked a lot about Boom. We've talked a lot about Boom's successes of late and how well they're doing, uh, and well, they're doing really well. So they increased sales to comic shops by 22%. Damn. That's, that's the headline. And that's a big number. That is an impressive number. Yeah, that's no joke. And yeah, exactly. And it shows that they've been putting the work in. And, and I think they're worth celebrating for more than just that. Because we know about the we know about the hits. We know about something is killing the children. We know about Power Rangers. You know, we know about these things. We know about Berserker. Because it Berserker, um, breakout yeah. hit. That's right. <laughs> exactly. But what we don't always hear about is stuff like the fact that boom did not lay off one employee hell yeah due that's to cool. that's uh, awesome the pandemic due to covid that's wow. yeah that's huge man 
And even just above that in this article, they also increased their on-time shipping record from 97 to 98%. During a pandemic. During a pandemic. Like, and, what the fuck? They've got their heads on straight over there, man. And, and to the number that, that uh, Sean threw out, 22% increase, right? That's comparing just 10 months of sales. So, like, they're missing out on basically two months of revenue, and they still made 22% more. Ha, that's not even their full report for the year. That's incredible. Oh my god! Because well, they didn't they didn't sell for two months. Because right, yeah. So like that's that's just that's just buck wild. That would have been yeah. That, that should have been, been lost revenue. But the fact that they came out ahead speaks volumes. That what a strong year it actually was. That you could be up twenty two percent with eight less weeks of shipping. Yep, nope. that's fucking huge. It's so impressive, and you know this is really just an opportunity to celebrate boom and you know we talk a lot about marvel and dc and you know their successes and their failures but i think that the real standout company throughout this entire pandemic has been boom Mm -hmm. um even before knowing this information it's like wow how many boom books are 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 like must read right now um, if you haven't read one issue, at least, of Something is Killing the Children, I don't know what you're doing. Um, we only find them when they're dead by Al Ewing. Um, Seven Secrets, uh, Once and Future, um, obviously Power Rangers. Um, like, there's so much that they're putting out that's all high quality. And even some of the books that aren't necessarily at the front of people's minds, like, Boom is absolutely killing it. And there's no ceiling on how much they can succeed. I, I just I think that they're they're so smart, man. Like the the way that they've slowly built their business over time on the backbone of like a few really high quality creator owned series that they have stood by and championed, and really really smart partnerships doing licensed books. Like they just built such a strong foundation that now like they can really go somewhere with it, you know? And like, and it's clearly a company run by people that fucking love comics and get the business. And like, man, like it's just exciting. It's, it's exciting to think about where, what they could achieve, you know? And then like how much room they still have to grow. Do you think that berserker number one will be the issue to hit 1 million copies? Probably not, but I mean, who cares? It's probably still the best-selling comic of the year. 615,000 copies is insane, especially for a publisher of their size, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, actually, shit, they're pretty close already. Like a second printing, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, that one issue is probably selling better than anything the big two are doing. And again, oh, right, like that's... That's not even considering like the money that was made on Kickstarter and all these additional copies that they're going to sell to this like kind of like quote unquote secondary or aftermarket whatever. But like either way, like this thing is making a ton of money, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it's putting them in front of people, you know, which is huge. Um, and yeah, man, like I feel like they have been like a sleeping giant. You know, like they've been on the cusp of breaking through and it's like you saw so much growth from them in 2020 and like you got to imagine all that money that they're raking in on Berserker is just going to get put back into more books. Like who is, you know, the next uh, like what what is the next something is killing the children that they can steal away from an image or whatever. Right. And have their next big title. 
Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, and and not for nothing, uh, Power Rangers is about to get a, a whole new uh, film and TV relaunch. So true. That's gonna blow up the comics. Yeah, as well. I yeah. have to imagine. Plus, we talked a while ago about how like they're working on like expanding into like multimedia and stuff like they're working on like a lumberjane show aren't they stuff like that so like those are things that will also increase uh their you know visibility yeah yeah absolutely i think boom is perfectly positioned to really really maybe not make marvel or dc sweat but maybe make image think about a few things yeah you know? um make dark horse think about a few things and I, I, I would love to be able to sit down and interview uh, the heads of Boom because what is making Boom such an attractive destination for these creators who really are at the forefront of the industry uh, from, a, from the perspective of like putting Marvel and DC aside? Like mm -hmm. the next Al Ewing book is what people are looking for outside of Marvel and DC because of Immortal Hulk. Uh, the next James Tinian book is what people are looking for outside of Marvel and DC because of Batman, you know? So it's, it's really interesting. And I wonder why boom is the destination for these creators. I don't know. I really do want to have that question answered. Like, I wonder if like, because they have this influx of cash, like, are they able to offer better deals than image now or something like that? Right. Obviously image gives you a lot of creative freedom, but like your book kind of sinks or swims on its merits, right? Like, maybe they're willing to like give you a longer deal right because they're like yeah it doesn't really like you know we can afford for it to wait lose money on the first arc you get two arcs you know like who's who's to say i don't know i'm speculating but like that that could be the kind of stuff that they're maybe finding themselves in a position to offer now that they have more capital well in any event hats off to boom absolutely killing it and the year is barely getting started so hopefully hey, uh yeah love to see it so for our last bit of news coming out of the Comics Pro Summit, we've got something massive from Todd McFarlane, Spawn's Universe. Ew. Huh. <laughs> Ew. That's, that's, that's an interesting reaction. That's fucked up. <laughs> Doesn't sound gross. Spawn's Universe? No. All right. Sounds pretty cool. So... <laughs> What is Spawn's Universe? So Spawn's Universe is Todd McFarlane's big attempt to essentially create the next shared universe. Oh. Well, <laughs> that too. Although I think all these characters are pretty much action figures already. Um, <laughs> but uh, to create the next shared universe that mm -hmm. can sit adjacent Marvel's and DC's shared universes. Um, there are going to be four new titles uh, that are all coming out this year. Yeah. And three of those are going to be uh, monthly titles. And one of them is going to be like a, you know, like a one shot. Um, and then, so, so we're getting King spawn. So that's, you know, just spawn regular spawn. Uh, Gunslinger Spawn, which I'm excited about. That sounds cool. Is he a cowboy? Uh, I don't even know. I saw an image of him, and he looks cool. This is the guy with the top hat and the jacket. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That is a pretty cool design. He look he looks like he's like a circus cowboy or something. <laughs> Damn, this is cool. Exactly. Um and then there's a book called Scorched, which is gonna see Spawn, Redeemer, Gunslinger, Medieval Spawn, and She Spawn team up. Okay. So that's all cool. McFarlane's goals, as I said, he wants to start the next shared universe. And this is what he said about it. He said, the simple question is this. DC Comics started a shared universe in the late 1930s. Marvel Comics began theirs in the early 1960s. So can lightning strike a third time beginning in 2021? I personally do not have the answer to that question right now, but the only way to get an answer to that question is to make the attempt in the first place. So Spawn has come up in a big way during the pandemic. Spawn comics have sold between 100 and 600% better than they were before. And we talked about the Kickstarter for the Spawn, uh, I believe it was the toys, yeah. That yeah, it was that special figure, right? Yeah, yeah. That 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 did over a million. From if I oh, it did three point five million in thirty days, according to Bleeding Cool. Yeah. That's fucking Damn. awesome. Yeah. So Spawn is obviously back, at least in the minds of comic book fans and people who have nostalgia for the character. But the question is, can Spawn be the character that? that launches a new shared universe that can actually stand aside Marvel and DCs. Um, He does have an interview with Bleeding Cool, Todd McFarlane does, where he elaborates on this idea and he talks about how successful Spawn has been, talks a little bit about the movie, how people are so excited for this movie and how all these things together could equal something to rival what Marvel and DC have going on. My question to you guys is, is Todd right to ask whether or not it's possible? Forget Spawn. Like, no, answer the question with Spawn in mind, but then also uh, move beyond Spawn. Is it even possible? Is it even worth creating something like this with the expressed interest of trying to rub shoulders with the titans of industry? I don't think Spawn could do it, but I do think Todd McFarlane has a chance because he was part of the original image crowd and that stuff was rivaling Marvel and DC when it started. Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody can, can do it, my money would be on Todd McFarlane. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that it'll be like we're talking about size. I don't think it's going to be the same to any capacity as anything Marvel or DC has. Valiant has their own shared universe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a few other publishers have, like smaller publishers, have their own universes. But like, obviously, it's not. Even, even Jeff Lemire has his own little. Yeah, universe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and like you can absolutely make it, but whether or not it it's comparable, I think is gonna be out of the question unless you have like a full support of like an individual company to be to do that. Yeah, I, I think um 
<clears throat> I think it's it's there's a few reasons why this is a weird comparison for me. I think the idea of like anyone establishing a superhero universe with the express intent of we're trying to chase what Marvel and DC have done is not smart. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're setting yourself up for failure when you compare yourself to giants and be like, we're going to be that, you know, like it comes off as like when uh, like a plucky upstart comes out and they're like, we're going to be the next Netflix. It's like, no, you're not. It's a super saturated market. They've got about a hundred years on you. Like it's probably not going to happen. Right. Um, I think that's compounded by the fact that like, if it's just going to be the quote unquote spawn universe, there's no fucking way that that can compete with something on the, the level of a Marvel or a DC because it's too niche. Like, Spawn is a very specific thing, and all of its spinoffs have the exact same vibe and flavor. And, like, the characters might have different voices. They might be written differently. I'm not saying that Spawn is, like, one note, but, like, Spawn is a is a fucking mid-90s, edgelord, Generation X-ass character. And that shit is not cool right now. Like, that is not the vibe in 2021. It's not that, like, super edgelord shit. Like, that's not as in vogue as it was in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Um, And I think, like, we've seen, especially, like, with younger generations, like, that's not their vibe. That's not what they're looking for. So, like, I think this can appeal to existing Spawn fans and and be a cool thing and, and probably be a big thing for Todd and for Image. But, like... If you want to be able to create something that has the broad as broad an appeal as like what Marvel or DC does, the reason that those work so well is that there's a character for everybody, right? We can all watch the MCU movies and have a different favorite character or a different five favorite characters or whatever. How different is Medieval Spawn than Spawn? How different is She Spawn than than Gunslinger Spawn, right? Like very. <laughs> oh, okay, big one. Never mind. Fuck Pete. Oh yeah, you're right. There you go. <laughs> um, I don't know. To me, it's like it 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 feels too small. It's like if DC's universe was competing, like it was the Marvel universes versus the Bat Family, right? Like, not to say yeah. the Bat Family isn't huge and awesome, and that you can't do so much with it, but it's not the whole there's so, universe. There's so much more that DC offers. Yeah, like you could hate Batman and have and read D- and still exclusively read DC comics. If you don't like Spawn, are any of these books going to appeal to you? Probably not. Um, she Spawn. She will. She Spawn. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why not? Okay. <laughs> I got two reasons for you. She. And Spawn. Yeah. The cover uh, is one of the most '90s ass covers I've seen in so long. So, I think that. I think it's interesting, right? Because it sounds absolutely nuts. But Kale said, you know, Todd McFarlane is probably the guy to do it. And it's and Todd Todd McFarlane, like, he kinda he kinda we kinda meme him a little bit, I feel, in the industry. Mm. But he's really smart. He he really is very, very smart. Yeah. And he's one of the most successful comic book creators of all time and it's not it's not close like it's todd it's certain people that are up that are in that upper echelon he's Mm -hmm. one of them and then there's like a huge gap he's like a fucking titan 
Yeah. So it's I don't think it's as big of a joke as not necessarily you guys, but like as people might think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also we're talking about this within the same conversation in which I said spawn comics have been selling 100 to 600 percent better mm-hmm. than they have in the year the year prior and in in the same conversation the toy just made three and a half million dollars in a month and exactly yeah. not for nothing too right um todd's been working on the the movie revival mm-hmm. for years uh and he's like heavily involved like he's wrote the script he's, he's the director yeah right like it's him so yeah. If that comes out and is fucking really good, yeah, like that could that could definitely help give this a bump too. On top of the fact that it's already seeing, because it was what issue three hundred was like the one that like sold like fucking crazy, crazy. crazy. Um, yeah, I bought it. Yeah, like that's a landmark issue, right? Did so like, it? yeah, I did. I sure did. Did you read it? I, no, I, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what what does this tell you though? It tells you. And again, I go back to this well all the time. Comic book fans, right? The people who buy the books are not the same people as the ones who talk about the books. They're just not. And people who say they don't want this, they're fine. But there's clearly a lot of people who do. Yeah. Like a lot of people who do. People who we discount. Yeah, and and I think that that is the problem uh, when you are an enthusiast, right? Like, when we talk about, like, the casual reader, like, that's who we're talking about, right? The casual reader goes and buys Spawn and maybe bought this figure on Kickstarter or whatever and, like, loves Spawn and McFarlane or whatever but doesn't have a podcast or a Twitter, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they don't count. Um, and, And, like... There, there's a Venn diagram, right? Like there, obviously, there are a lot of people that are on Twitter talking about comics all day that do read comics and like you know whatever. Don't give a shit about Spawn. That's fine. But there are a lot of, a lot, a lot of people that were readers in the '90s that have that nostalgia that are you know in their 40s or whatever and like edgelord shit is their shit when they were growing up and that still appeals to them and that's this big segment of the market just because they're not on Twitter or on YouTube or whatever. Who cares? But again, Pete, like, I think it goes deeper than that. I think that is comics, though. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. Co- like, that's not fringe comics. That's not casual. That is who reads comics by and large. That's why we've talked about like diversity not selling mm-hmm. and, and things like that because they, wa- they, they want Spawn, <laughs> they want Batman. Like, that's what they want. And, those people are being served clearly by what Todd McFarlane is doing. So when you say like it's it's a pipe dream, well, Spawn's a top five book. It's true. Spawn is a top five selling comic book right now. So if she Spawn becomes a top ten, top fifteen selling comic and can sustain that, and the Gunslinger is one of those, and Scorched the book is a top five book. Mm-hmm. Well, what what is that? It's I guess to to respond to that though, like do you is there a problem like does that reader want those books with those characters or do they just want spawn because they like spawn? I don't know. But 
if I tr if you told me pick a creator, pick someone to try this, yeah, right. The the two names that jump out at me in terms of creativity, in terms of balls, in terms of ingenuity are Todd McFarlane and Robert Kirkman. Yeah, I totally <laughs> I, agree. I really thought you were about to say Rob Liefeld. Imagine. I kind of <laughs> did too. <laughs> you went Rob. I'm like, no way. And like, <laughs> you know, memes aside, right? Like I gushed about Invincible for like 20 minutes earlier. I'm a Robert Kirkman stan. I think that that's true though. I think that they are two creators of that caliber and not only just like as creators, but as like businessmen and as like right. people who have built a machine around them, you know, like to make shit. Um, yeah, like Todd, Todd McFarlane made three million dollars on a fucking action figure last year. Like, and, the guy knows what he's doing. Not for nothing, like this list of creators on mm. this that has been announced is insane. Somebody it's, named Puppeteer Lee. Who the yeah, what fuck? The hell was that? <laughs> um, Who the fuck is that? No, you're right. The list is is it is insane, and this is also why. It's no joke because you got Greg Capullo. You got, Yo, what? Yeah, Brett yeah, Booth, J. Scott's Kent, J. Scott Campbell, Donnie Cates. What? Adam's probably the hottest it. writer in yeah. comics. Whoa. David Finch. Uh, wow, they got Jonathan Glapion. That's awesome. Uh, Sean Gordon Mor Murphy. Like Mark Silvestri, Marcio Takara, Frank Quitely. Like this list is nuts. I didn't that is name legit. everybody. That is really legit. Frank quietly, fuck. Yeah. Right? Like, I've been like, sitting here staring at that name, and it just hit me. <laughs> what the and, fuck? And, and, and Todd, so Todd McFarlane is a businessman who knows the business of comics, who knows everybody in comics, who most of the people who I just named probably either grew up enjoying his work or are his contemporaries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... and yeah, they want to work on this. I, I, it's funny too because uh, to take it back to the, it's. I think it's similar with the Kirkman thing too. Is like how many creators are there of his caliber with his experience that own an IP that's as valuable as Spawn and who isn't a fucking asshole? Like, have you ever heard anyone say shit about Todd McFlake? Not really, not right? That I like, can think of. not that I can think of, and like. He like has a lot of regular collaborators and stuff like that. They like th those kinds of things. Like you, I don't know. You don't get to that level usually without like stepping on a lot of toes. And like mm. the fact that he is a guy that like is a celebrity and like could have stopped working on comics but didn't, and does champion smaller books and like you know it is a legit artist of of high merit too, right? And has continued to put out good work. Um it is kind of like a that's a short list you're right of guys that check all those boxes and also people want to fucking work with him i i didn't see this list of creators and my mind went to a, a lesh cot and um yeah. a frank quietly book and i'm like fuck i'd put down yeah. good money for that yeah you put out alish cot's name on a spawn book i'm you go all right Let's talk. Guys, are we going to review Spawn books? Like, it might. Yo, that's it. Spawn podcast. That's it. This moment forward, the Spawn Pals. The Spawn cast. The Spawn cast. I love it. So, do I believe that Todd McFarlane and She Spawn are going to 
you know, take over the industry? No. But did I make you think about it? You did. Like, and I think that's all that matters. Th- and that's the thing is, I, it doesn't it doesn't need to be that big though to be relevant. Is the thing, right? Like you said, like spawns a top five book. If all these books all of a sudden are like in the top twenty five bestsellers, that's a fucking lot of money in images pocket. And and even once, yeah, like, that still makes a name for it. Like, yeah. Yeah, like a lot of the books that that <clears throat> Image puts out don't always do that. No, and there'll be hits for Image or whatever, but compared to Marvel or DC, who typically dominate the top twenty-five, not so much. So, if it, if Todd can pull that off, yeah, hey, he didn't reach the 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 moon or whatever, but he's among the stars, and yeah. that's success. And I think that this marketing tactic, right? Yeah. Is super smart. It's heads up. And I'm so excited to see how this goes. I got one more thing here. What if, you know, we've talked about how there's kind of the rumor of like the image superhero universe. What if this plays into that too? Like that, that could potentially be a thing that like maybe the the spawn universe isn't the thing and like you know all of these books don't hit the same heights but like maybe it is part of like launching a broader maybe su- maybe spawns team up with radiant black is you know going to yeah. be the next hot crossover and or invincible no he's dead no, he's back now motherfucker no he's not. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I feel like those are those are potential things too, right? That like mm-hmm. maybe only two of the four of these books hit, right? But like, okay, that's two best-selling spawn books you didn't have, or one that you didn't have before, right? That that's all you really need. Like that is a, that's enough of a, a win to make it a worthwhile endeavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and if they and if they are able to make it part of that larger shared universe they've been talking about, then you start to compete with you have that business element behind it that then starts to compete with a Marvel or DC because to what we were saying earlier, if you don't like Spawn, cool, whatever. Go check out the rest of the image superhero universe. Invincible, maybe, Savage Dragon, Witchblade, like Darkness, whatever. whatever. You, somebody's going to hit with you because that's just the nature of comics at that point. I'll tell you this. I'm buying every single one of these books. Tell me this, Sean. Are you going to read them? Yes. Okay. Yeah, let's review them. I'm here. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, you don't have to tell me twice. You know what it is, Marco? I've been looking for my way in on Spawn for years. Uh, I almost bit the bullet and bought the the compendiums that they have, which are oh, super damn. gorgeous and nice. And I almost did it, but I didn't. And now I might. Man, now I might. Guess what? $9.99 a month. Comixology Unlimited. There are three of them right there for you. Yeah, I read them last summer. Digital, and that's not. (laughs) You read all of them last summer, Kale. Sure did. Why did you read so much Spawn? (laughs) Because I was going to try and do a a thing about Spawn and Cerebus, because Cerebus and Spawn were also. It was like the Cerebus is like thirty fifth anniversary or some shit. Okay, where they were both about to hit three hundred or something, and I was going to talk about the influence of both. Where? Here. You don't remember that? Oh, no, I <laughs> know. It, it didn't work. <laughs> but you read a lot I, of Spawn. I'd, re- so. I'd read so much Spawn, my mind fried, and I couldn't talk about it. 
I love it so much. You read all that fucking spawn just to get on this podcast and whiff completely. Because <laughs> it was it was right around when uh, the 300th issue came out. Mm. I, it might have been like that week. So I think it had to have been Murphy or something because Cerebus was included. He's mm. the only person that we know that would follow that type of thing. Uh, so I think he sent in a question. I was like, oh, I'm on this. <laughs> oh, and now so I, I think crammed, I remember that. I crammed trying to get it all. I mean, I, and it wasn't just spawn. Like I tried, I didn't read all of Cerebus, but I tried to do like a deep dive on research and the Wikipedia and all that. And I just got on, got on mic and just froze. Just my mind was blank. <laughs> Great. <laughs> spawn wow. is one of those, those things. I, I remember uh, watching the movie, I, like the live action movie in, in back in the day. And, like, when I was a teenager and, like, really getting back into comics in a serious way, like, uh, picking up a trade or, like, the first volume and stuff. And I, and I was like, at, at, this is at 16, year old, t- 16 years old. I was like, mm, maybe a little edgy for me. You know, it's a little bit much. <laughs> Distinctly I, remember after that episode, Marco going, well, that's going to take some creative editing. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. Uh, I've always loved Spawn, the HBO show, the movie, mm. all my jam. Gonna read the comics. Can't wait for this. Hats off to Todd McFarlane. Whether he succeeds or fails, I appreciate nothing more than somebody who earnestly, genuinely is trying to do something cool. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. So, yeah. Uh, Say what you like. Spawn is cool. <laughs> exactly. <just> is. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we're always trying to do something cool over here on this podcast. Do we succeed? No, but we try. And for that, you have to respect us, which means you have to leave us a five-star review. Wherever it is you're listening to this podcast, you've got to give us that five-star review. You've got to give us that rating. We really appreciate it. Uh, If you guys want to talk to us about what we've talked about on this episode of the podcast, you can do so by writing to us at thecomicspalsgmail.com. Are you going to pick up? Gunslinger spawn number zero. I just made up. Um, are you interested in spawn? Is spawn something that you could see yourself reading if you have never done so before? Hit us up and talk to us about that. Uh, get us on Discord at the Comics Pal. Well, you can't get us on Discord at the Comics Pals. You can join the Comics Pals Discord, a link to which is in the description. Come hang out with us. Uh, talk to us about. Why DC sucks. Um, oh. <laughs> and why Spawn fucking rules. <laughs> yes. Ten, ten reasons why DC sucks and five why Spawn rules. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> why we're Spawn gonna is the new Batman. This, what's, uh, what's Spawn's mother's name? Just out of curiosity. It's Martha. Got to be Martha, right? Figures. It's Marty. <laughs> And, of course, if you are watching WandaVision, listen to us talk about WandaVision every week on We Watch WandaVision. You're not going to want to miss this week's episode. As we ramp towards a conclusion of the Disney Plus series, we are excited as ever to talk about that. So come hang out with us as we discuss that. And, of course, Civil War Book Club, January, February's Book Club, Vision. Give that a listen. It's out tomorrow. You're going to love it. I guarantee it. That's a Comics Pals guarantee. Seal of approval. With that, let's get into the plugs. 
Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of The Comics Pals. I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram if you want to keep up with me and chat with me about what you are watching, playing, listening to, reading, whatever you're doing. Let me know. Um, and uh, if you want to get some more stuff from me, uh, you can check out the podcast, uh, Nintendo podcast that I do over on Lupots.com every Monday. Um, streaming sometimes. You can follow that on the Twitter. And then uh, my band, um, Long Friend, Time Friend, we have our new album, our first album, uh, If Me Dies, Me Dies, is coming out on the 26th. <laughs> so uh, this week, uh, when this drops on Monday, you're a few days away. So um, I hope you'll check it out. I'm really proud of it. Worked really hard on it. And uh, I think it's pretty good. I got uh, my... <clears throat> I got my Kickstarter edition already, and it is a sick. Thank you very much, my friend. Marco. You can follow me at Mr. Marco Enomoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I just saw on Twitter announced Keanu Reeves writing Spawn. <gasps> Keanu Reeves playing Spawn? Oh, oh whitewashing. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, finally, a Keanu Reeves controversy we can get behind. <laughs> uh, oh, shoot. I'm sorry, Kale. Kale. Yeah, you sure fucking did. <laughs> Kale was like, what the fuck? He jumped out of order. How dare you? Never. Uh, you never. can find me on Twitter and Instagram, but I don't know why you would at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find Phil at Cyborg Bebop. That's C Y B O R G. B-E-B-O-P. All right. Did you plug your website? Nah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as for me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Uh, hit me up to talk about all things Spawn because that's all I care about anymore. Uh, my mind has been infected, and uh, I'm a McFarland boy now. With that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Spawn Universe. More like Spunk Universe. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs>